know if you've noticed in the world that we live in today, but in our day, there's a challenge. And here's the challenge. The challenge is that not too many people feel like the prophets of old did about God. I want to ask you this question. Why is it that we don't see God the way the prophets had seen God in the Bible? And so there's probably a couple of different answers to that, right? Some of it is because the world that we're living in today has kind of disowned the church as being a voice of God. Is that true? Because of scandals, because of ministers falling. Why? Because we put them on a pedestal higher than they ever asked to be. Is that true? Listen, there's one thing to say, I appreciate my pastor. It's another thing to say, my pastor is my savior. And there are people that have put their pastor on that kind of thing. And I am nobody's savior, my friend. I am nobody's savior. But I can be an ear just like you can be. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit about something because in our day, people do not want to admit that any kind of shortcoming or failure is taking place. This means that many people won't confess sin because it's my sin to confess. It's between me and God, right? My sin is between me and God. Can I tell you something? If you're a believer, your sin is not between you and God. Not all the time. Because your sin can make somebody else stumble. When you struggle, somebody else sees that. And if you go ahead and plug that as a norm, they're going to say, oh, so that's normal? So I can struggle with that sin and still be called a Christian. Friend, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about the, the reality of the Savior being more than a Savior here. When we look at sin, we have to look at it through a set of eyes that the Scripture does. Some churches today reject even preaching about sin because it might offend some people. How many know we live in an offensive culture? Let me say this. We live in an offensive culture, but what I really meant to say is we live in an offended culture. Everybody's offended. Everybody gets hurt. What are we, what are we doing? I heard this past week that there's a school that's banning Valentine's Day. Because there's some people that don't get Valentine's and they get their feelings hurt. So we're going to cancel Valentine's Day. You can't hand out Valentine's now because one kid didn't get it. So now he's going to be all upset and we don't want to upset people. I'm sorry. I also know that there's a place called the Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, where a bunch of football players that exceeded normality and progressed to be the best, that's why they're in the Hall of Fame. You don't be like, oh, you did so, you tried so hard quarterbacking that team. Let's put him in anyway, even though he didn't, he didn't really, he didn't even throw a touchdown, but let's put him in the Hall of Fame because his feelings are hurt. 
you laugh, right? That's funny because it is. It's ridiculous, right? The Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame because they did something. Hello? Work for it, right? They worked for it. They fought for it. They practiced for it. They got there because they, they worked at it. Why are we canceling everything? You know what churches are doing? Churches are at the forefront of canceling. We canceled sin in some churches, not all churches. Most churches are preaching Jesus and him crucified. Thank God, right? But some people won't talk about sin. Don't say that. People won't like you. I could give a rip if you like me as long as I'm preaching truth. Right? I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to do it in love. I'm going to smile and I'm going to be like, brother, get this thing right. Come on. Right? Sister, come on. Let's do this together. Sin. Sin is a no-no in some churches, right? Everybody say no-no. Come on, say it with me. Say no-no. Sin is a no-no, right? What's, what's another one that's a no-no? Hell. Hell's a no-no. Don't talk about hell. Hell is a word, not a place. It's a feeling. Because everything's feelings anymore. No, hell is not a feeling. It's a place. Hello? Hell will be tossed into the lake of fire in the end days. Come on, it's a place. It's a physical place. Oh, we got preachers that have fallen by the wayside and now believe this thing that said, you know, hell is really just a form of state that we're in. It's a way that, no, quiet your mouth. Hell is a place that was created for the devil and his angels. The fallen ones that decided they knew better than God or wanted the position that only God could have. Hello? I'm preaching good because it's quiet. But I got some amens. Right? Oh, don't talk about hell. Say H-E double hockey sticks and then just maybe move on. Don't say hell. Don't say sin. Don't say hell. Don't say sex. Oh, I'll edit that in post. There's just things. Let's not talk about that. Guess what? You don't talk about these things in the right context. The world's going to talk about it in the world context. So we got to talk about it. We're not talking about sex this morning, so don't get excited. But we are talking about things that the church will cancel because they don't want to talk about it. Can I say to you today that Jesus is more than a savior? I don't even have the time to go into what's going on in my spirit right now. But, but, but I want to introduce this here today because I, I have a funny feeling that we're going to go... Um, not going to get through everything this morning, but we don't want to hear about sinfulness of man. Because even in Genesis, they didn't want to hear about the sinfulness of man. So let's look at this text real quick. Genesis. Genesis said this. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth had become. Media team, you with me? And every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So what we find is in Genesis 6, 5, the Lord Lord saw the evil of man. The Lord saw the evil of man and he said, there is wickedness here. And God judges wickedness that chooses not to repent. Something happened 
to one of God's chosen prophets that can speak to us today. And that prophet is uh, uh, Isaiah. Can we turn there real quickly? Let's turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. And and, and I know that I know I'm not going to get through all my notes this morning. That's okay because we're going to move into this more than a savior this morning. We're going to start and see where we end. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah was one who loved God. He was a preacher, a prophet of the Lord. And in Isaiah 6, we find something that changed his life forever. Now this takes place, Isaiah 6 takes place around 740 before Christ, right? It's before Christ. And Isaiah, uh, in this passage, let's walk through this passage together. Because he was given a vision of the Lord. And the vision was of the Lord sitting on his throne in all his glory. How many are looking forward to one day standing before God? And seen him sit on the throne of all his glory. Come on, somebody. Some of you are like, yes, right after the service, take me, Lord. <laughs> Isaiah experienced something that changed his life forever. Some of you in this room experienced God in a deep way when you came to Jesus. Some of you just came to church one day, said yes to Jesus, and God started changing your life. So there's different types of conversions, but... How many know that one conversion is not better than the other conversion? I remember hearing about people that come out, you know, Teen Challenge is one of those ministries. That I remember they, came, they would come to my church in New York, in the Bronx, and they would come and they would, all of them would stand up here. There'd be like 30 of them and they're like, singing, they're like, you know, they're, they're like a choir and they're singing their song and they're, they're singing it. And they're rough. They got, all kind, they got all kinds of looks going on. Come on, you're looking up at the stage and you're looking up and they're like, Jesus. And they're like aggressively following God. I'm like, okay, I follow Jesus. Just don't hurt me, sir. <laughs> I'm 15 years old, just got newly saved, right? And they're like, Jesus. I'm like, yes, sir, whatever you say, Jesus. And then they would come up and they would share how God radically changed them. And then another one would come up and be like, God poured, God, 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 God took me out of this, you know, I was, I was bound by this addiction. And then the other one would say, I was bound by, you know, uh, pr- promiscuity and, and I, I was living in this kind of life. And then the other person, and you just sit there going, oh, what? Like God changed your life. And you were like, me, what's, my testimony is not like that good. I like went to vacation Bible school and I got candy and I said yes to Jesus. That was my testimony. Like it's not as good as his. It's not as good as hers. How many know that that person won't say that that testimony is good? Powerful doesn't mean it's good. Just because they went through all that doesn't mean it was, hello, it was, hello. If they didn't have to go through that, then most of those people would be like, no, I don't want, I shouldn't have to go through that. And nor do you, you don't want this testimony. I wish I would have got candy at VBS and said yes to Jesus at nine years old. I was at halfway houses and I was in drug rehabilitation centers and I was homeless for three and a half years and, and nobody would give me attention. They would throw and spit at me because I was uh, this person. They, you don't want that life. Come on, am I preaching to somebody? And we're, we're sitting there listening to the story. I hope the media team's ready. I got a lot of energy this morning. And, and they, we sit there going, that's an amazing testimony. I wish I had a powerful testimony like that. Meanwhile, they're going, I wish to God I never went through that torture. Right? 
So there's different, a lot of different people kind of approach it differently, right? Can I tell you something? Your testimony is yours. Don't ever despise it. You went through something that God allowed you to go through. Now take that mess and turn it into your message. What if every week I got up here and I preached the same message every single week? I mean, every verse the same, every word exactly the same. How long before you would say, I think I need to find another church? Give me how many weeks? Two? Two. I got two. Do I hear three? Do I hear three? Three? I got three in the corner. Do I hear four? Four? Do I hear four? Okay, three's the max. Three's the max. You win. Sold. Three weeks. See us on the way out. Um, right? Three weeks. After that, you're like, I think I need to find a new church. Pastor preaching the same message every week. Can you imagine how boring that would be? Your story, your testimonies, your message. Everybody's got a different message. Can I tell you something? He's more than a savior. Listen to what Isaiah, Isaiah 6. I, I don't want to, wow. Okay, so Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Let me read through this. Follow with me. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Isaiah 6, 1 through 9. If not, you can follow the screen. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe Filled the temple. That's a beautiful picture. It's one of my favorite pictures. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Two wings that covered their faces, two wings that covered their feet, and two in which they flew. They were calling out to each other. Watch this. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. This is all they said. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. One translation reads. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Can you imagine that? Just for a moment. God is sitting on a throne. His train fills the temple. He's a king. He's a Lord. He's Savior and God. And then there's these creatures that they just, they're just kind of floating. And they're flying, right? And they just keep saying, holy, holy. How amazing is that picture? Yes? Is anybody picturing in your mind's eye like me? And there he is as he sits on that throne. They, 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 they're singing this. And then verse 4. The voices shook the temple and the foundations. And the entire building was filled with smoke. Some of you are like, I know what that's like. I walked in here this morning, pastor. And it was like the Holy of Holies. Verse 5, then I said, it's all over. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. That, that changed. Did you see how that kind of changed? It's a glorious position, right, to walk into this thing. But all of a sudden, Isaiah says, I am doomed. L- l- let me get to that in a minute. He says, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with burning coal. And he had taken it from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see this coal coal 
has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then the Lord, uh, excuse me, then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to these people? Who will go for, interesting enough, ready? Who will go for us? Did you notice that it said the Lord said, who will go for us? That's a picture of the Trinity in the Old Testament. It's a foreshadowing of what we know now as the Trinity. Trinity, rapture, two words you won't find in the Bible, but that's where you see it. Right? That's just a little nugget. But interesting enough, who will go for us? In other words, who will represent us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. And he said, yes, go and say to this people, listen carefully, but do not understand, but do not understand, watch closely, but learn nothing. When we see the picture of verse one, go back to verse one here, the first, the first slide in the year that King Uzziah died, that I saw the Lord, he was sitting on a lofty throne. And then at that point, you see this picture of a king on his throne, right? Mentally, you see this picture. And then after that, he showed all this. Let's go to the next slide. And at that point, it was when Isaiah then said, at that point, it is all over. I am doomed. You see that? Verse five. I am, it is all over. I'm doomed. Why did he say that? Why did he say that? And I'll tell you why. Because when you see God in all his fullness, in the truth of God, it gives you no choice but to see yourself. The glory of God acts like a mirror. The glory of God actually causes us, come on somebody, either you're thinking this very deeply, I need you to talk to me, you hear what I'm saying? The glory of God acted like a mirror, And at that point, reflected what they look like. So the glory of God acts like a reflector. And they started to see themselves. I say they, by that I mean Isaiah did. Isaiah then turns around after seeing this glory of the Lord, right? After seeing this glory of the Lord, he then turned around and said, I'm in trouble. I'm in deep trouble. He is so holy and I am so not. You with me? Tell me that you're with me. Nod at me. Give me something. Come on, church. Come on. Do we need to serve more coffee before service? I need to know you hear what I'm saying, right? Yeah. yeah? So when, when the glory of God was revealed, Isaiah said, oh, no. I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. Why? Because the glory of God also awesomely puts us in a place where we are forced to see ourselves in light of his glory. If you have a problem worshiping, you have not seen yourself. If you have a problem worshiping God, you have not seen yourself. You have a, an issue where you have not realized how sinful we all really are. You've lacked internal deposition. 
you've lacked the opportunity to see what God sees. Why are we told so many times by so many people, not just me, everybody that preaches the word, read your Bible, search the scriptures. If you only read the Bible on Sundays, you're doing this thing wrong. And you're doing yourself an injustice. Who's with me? Raise your hand if you're with me. If we only do this on Sundays, we're doing ourselves an injustice and we're doing God a disservice. Because if you call yourself a believer, you have to be able to reflect your life off of his glory. Father, every single day, let your glory reveal one more thing I can give you. It's getting quiet in the shy. I should preach on this side a little more. I'm in trouble. I am in deep trouble. I am doomed for I am a sinful man. He saw himself. You see, we could look at Jesus as our savior. But once he becomes savior, many people think, okay, he rescued me from sin. Now I can just do what I want to do. And now I can ask for forgiveness whenever I, I need it. Can I tell you, Jesus is not life insurance or fire insurance. It's not, it's not a prayer you pray. Jesus is not a prayer you pray to get out of hell free card. How many like Monopoly? Anybody like Monopoly? There's just a few of us. My wife despises it. She's like, that is the longest game in the history of games. How many don't like Monopoly? We got, I think we're going to divide the church here. I'm not sure. All the not like Monopoly people sit on this side. No, I'm kidding. Right? Who likes Monopoly? Who likes Monopoly? The challenge of, ooh, Leisha, I think I got you beat. Seriously. Put it up again so she can see it. See? Monopoly night, two weeks from today. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And anybody that gets Park Place, you are mandated to get it to me. Because that's a hard one to get. I'll tell you that way. How dare you? How dare you? She'll get coffee. This is falling by the wayside quickly. Um, the two types of people in this world, those that like Monopoly and those that don't. Right? But I forget why I even brought up Monopoly. <laughs> I got caught up in that thing. Oh, there he is. Get out of hell. Thank you so much, Lisa. That's so good. We often see Jesus as a get out of hell free card, right? And, and, and that's not what Jesus is. He's more than a savior. He is Lord God. And Isaiah saw this. He saw God as more than just a savior. He saw his glory. I don't know about you, friend, but I want to see his glory. Does anybody else want to see his glory? Does anybody else want to say, you know what, God, I'm tired of business as usual, church as usual. Does anybody else want to enter a new dimension of our faith? Does anybody else want to enter this new realm of saying, God, I don't want to just do this motion. Here I am. Send me. Send me. Send me. It's uncomfortable. It's up close and personal, isn't it? Isaiah saw this and 
And that encounter with God radically altered Isaiah's life, his ministry, his prophecy, everything. Everything he did from this point on was changed. Because when you see God as who he is, you have difficulty seeing yourself as you've seen yourself from day one. It was at this point Isaiah saw God for who he really was. The vision occurred in the golden age of the southern kingdom of Israel. And that was coming to a close. Friends, some of you don't even know what that means. That's okay. Read your study Bible. Read the key notes here. And you'll find that Isaiah was preaching when something was coming to an end. He was preaching. He was saying, the only way you're going to get through the season in your life is you recognize who I am. And in recognizing who I am, you will recognize who you are. And everything else will work itself out. It's when you recognize who he is and then recognize who you are. You recognize that he's more than a savior. Friends, hear me. He's more than a savior. He's more than the guy that pulled you out of the the water. I don't know if you know this, and I might have shared the story a couple times, but I almost drowned twice in my life. Twice. That's more than once. It's twice as many. I was six years old and I was floating on this tire. I was six years old floating and I was, uh, I've I've not, I wasn't always as as tall as I am today, but there was a day that I was short and I was on this tire, right? And I was there and I was, I was floating in this pool and I was there and and all of a sudden, um, I I don't know what move I made a, a wrong move and I slipped through the tire. I was six years old, slipped through the tire and I didn't know how to swim. And I remember trying to breathe, coming up, and I could almost, I could like vividly remember the feeling I felt of hopelessness, six years old. And I would come up for a second, and and I would go back under it. It's a horrible feeling. It's a horrible feeling. I don't know how many have ever experienced that feeling of almost drowning for whatever reason, but I was six years old. I didn't know how to swim. I slipped through this tire, and I couldn't breathe, and... And somebody ran and pulled me out. And, you know, they're like, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Just breathe. Just breathe. And I'm trying to get my breath again. And, and I was scared to death of water. And a few years went by and I was nine years old. And I was hanging by this pool. And I was hanging by the, an area that was, it, it, was like, it was like four or five feet. And, and then it took a strong dip to about 10 or 12 feet. I don't remember exactly how much. And I was, you know, right between that, there was a float, you know, the floaties, divider floaties. I had a divider floaty and I was there and, and there was a, there was a couple of adults in the, in the, in the pool and I was off to the other end. There was a big pool. I was over at the other end and I was holding on to it and I was just like kind of playing in the water. I was nine years old, you know, I was whatever. And then all of a sudden uh, I, I, I let go and I, and I, I don't know what I was doing, but I slipped. I was right by the edge there, and I slipped into the deep end. And I, I then started to, again, drown. Nine years old, begin to drown. And I was trying, trying to come up, and I couldn't come up. And, I, and, I, and I, it was at one point I remember going almost to the top to be able to yell help, and I couldn't. I was right there, and I could see uh, probably uh, maybe, maybe 15 to 20 feet from me what the adults, they, were not, they couldn't see me. They didn't see I slipped in. They were right there, right there. They couldn't see me. And I'm like hoping that at some point they'll look over and see that I'm in the underwater and that I'm not coming up. Scary moment. 
And I remember looking around and I'm in a bubbles, you know, and I'm trying to breathe and I can't, obviously, you know. And, and so I'm looking over and I remember looking to my left and seeing the sliding door open as I'm, I'm, I'm kicking and pushing and, and I'm just waving underneath the water and nobody knows I'm there. And, and, and it felt like an eternity. And I remember a girl by the name of Jennifer, she was about maybe probably seven, eight years older than me. She was, you know, just about to graduate high school. And she's, I see her sliding and she runs and dives, like full dives into the water, reaches in and pulls me and pulls me up and pulls me off to the side. And, and, and I'm just, again, trying to get my breath again. And the adults were like, oh my gosh. And everybody ran to me and, and I'm just, you know, I'm just beside myself because I thought I was about to die. And that was my story. Media team helped me out. And, and so at that point in time, uh, I remember um, the, the, the family I was staying with that summer, uh, they took me and um, uh, her name was Patty. She might even be on online right now watching. But she took me and she put me on her lap and she just started saying, it's okay. It's all right. It's all right. It's going to be all right. And, uh, and I can remember parts of that. I, I don't remember all the details, but I remember hearing it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. And at that moment, she pulled me out of the water. And a lot of people would have just left it there. Right? But you know what they did? They said, we want to help you and never let this happen again. We're going to get swimming lessons for you. We're going we're gonna to pay for it because they're friends of the family. They want to pay for it. We want to get you professional swimming lessons. Somebody's going to help you walk through that. And so... I went the next year that I came back. I visited them again. I visited them every year for a couple of weeks, every year, every year. It was called Fresh Air Fun. Anybody ever a Fresh Air Fun? That was me. I was a Fresh Air kid. I would go every, from the city. I would go out to meet this family that we, you know, we loved, and they took care of. For two weeks, I got to be like royalty. They took care of me. Such beautiful man. We did this stuff every day, and they took care of me. The next year, they said, "Come back. We'll, we want we want you to get swimming lessons. We don't want this ever happen again to you. You know why? Because they love me." You know why? Because they cared about me. You know what? Jesus doesn't just want to pull you out of the water. Come on, somebody. He wants to make sure this never happens again. Oh, come on. Did you get that? That's good preaching. I thought, I thought, I thought I'd get a few more amens than that. Jesus don't just want to pull you out of the water. Come on. He doesn't want to just pull you out of the water. He wants to make sure this never happens again. It never happens again. And that's what discipleship is. That's, that, that's what co- connecting in life groups is. That's what, that's what we're building here. A community of people that want to help you get out from where you are. The only way you could do that is recognizing who he is. Seeing that who he is. And looking at it and going, who am I in light of who he is? Now you could be, you have to respond first like Isaiah did. I'm a sinful man. But then you know what happens? Look at me. Everyone look at me for a moment. If you're online, focus on me. Bring me a, give, me a tight, give me a tight one here, our media team. Look at me. If you're online or here, I need you to hear me for a moment. I need you to understand something. When you come to Jesus, right, you see who he is. You then re- recognize your need for a savior. Is that right? 
How many recognize their need for a savior, right? Then you come to Jesus and you say, I need a savior. And he saves your life. Now, does he just, just then release you to figure it out? No, no, no. You know what he says? Okay, we pulled you out of the water. Now what? So this could happen again? What's the difference between my first experience and my second one? The first one said, you're going to be all right. They gave me a pat in the back. That was a whole different thing. The second situation, somebody pulled me out and then said, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen again. Here at Freedom, what we want to do is we don't just want to rescue people from sin and death. God does that. God does that. But then we want to say, now we want to put you in a community where you get to, get to grow and learn and sharpen. You know what happened that next year? I went back to that place. I went to those swimming lessons. I, I not only learned how to swim, I learned how to backstroke. I learned how to float. Uh, um, I learned how to uh, do all kinds of different. And then I learned how to dive. And then I learned how to high dive. That was scary. That was scary. That is not of God all the time. I'll tell you that right now. Depending on how high that high dive is, that's not always of God. Especially if you think you're going to dive and it ends up being a belly flop. Then it becomes more like you'll see Jesus real soon. Like it's going to feel that way. It's going to feel that way. (laughs) Right? But see, he's more than a savior. Friend, he has to be more than a savior to you. So what am I saying today? I'm saying to you today this. Don't just settle with the idea of coming to church on a Sunday and thinking everything's going to be all right moving forward. I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're online. I'm so glad you tuned in. Those are great things. Isaiah saw God in a different way. He saw God and all of a sudden he said, I am a sinner. But then what did he do after he said, I'm a sinner? What were the next words out of his mouth? Here I am, send me here I am send me you're forced to respond when you see his glory for all he is so what I'm going to ask of you today is to respond in some way right where you're at if you're online I'm asking you to respond right where you're at And this may seem weird if you're like sitting in the living room by yourself. I'm going to ask you, if you're here and you're saying, I want Jesus to be more than just the person that pulled me out of the water and said, it's going to be all right. Like that six-year-old Tony Cruz who's almost died. Right? No, 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 no. The nine-year-old one. The nine-year-old situation where someone said, I didn't just pull you out. I want to make sure this never happens again. If you're in this room and you're saying, he's more than a savior to me. He's more than just the God that pulled me out of my sin. He is Lord of all and I want him to be Lord of all. And there's a great bumper sticker out there somewhere that says, if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all, right? I just want to preface it. It is a bumper sticker, not my thinking, but I definitely believe it. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Because he can't be halfway Lord, right? That's not Lord. That's not Lord. I'm not even sure what that is. But it's not Lord. That's how come sometimes you have more questions than answers. Because he's not Lord. If you're in this room and you're saying, I want him to be Lord of my life, right now where you are, stand to your feet. Come on.
If you're saying, I want him to be more than just a savior, I want him to be Lord of my life, stand to your feet. I won't judge you if you stay seated. We don't, we try not to judge here. I wish to God that people understood that the church wants to do more than just tell you what you did wrong. The church wants to tell you what you're doing right too. And if you're joining a life group, you're doing it right. If you haven't joined one yet, I got a place. I got a day of the week for you. Be more than just someone that got pulled out of the water. Get in communion and learn what it is to do some of the things God wants you to do. The only way you can learn some of those things is to be in communion with one another in a community of believers. Amen? Okay, so here's the call. You ready? You stood up. You said, I want Jesus to be Lord. Right now, I'm going to ask you to do something all across this place. Just close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Because this is a prayer that I don't just want you to say it. I want you to believe it with all your heart. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, be Lord of my life. You've saved me. You set me free through the precious blood of Jesus. Now do something radical in my life. I want to see you in all your glory. I want to see you in all your power. I give you full reign. Say with me, I want full reign so you could have your place in my heart. I give myself to you. Be my Lord. Be my Lord. In Jesus' name. There's one more thought I want to I I just throw out to you and maybe the media team could help me with this. We need an up-close and personal encounter with the true and living God. And that will radically alter our lives forever. Listen. If you come into this room or any room where people are worshiping Jesus, if you think for a moment this is about you, you got it all wrong. You're starting in the wrong place. Worship is all about him. But I don't know that song. Doesn't mean you can't worship. This is not my favorite song. That, doesn't, that shouldn't stop you from worshiping. I, don't, I like this song. I'm going to worship more. Good for you. But it's never been about you, right? So what we realize today is this. If he's a savior, that's great. But is he Lord? Because Lord alters everything. If he's a savior, he just pulled you out of the water. But if he's Lord, he's going to show you how to get closer to know him. So that you don't find yourself drowning again. Guess what? I never drowned again after that. I never... You're like, of course, you're standing there. You didn't drown. (laughs) But I never almost drowned either. Dead man walking... I never, never was in a position like that. Thank God, right? I love the water. I love that. But there was a fear there because I had experiences. And some of you had that same experience. Some of you have a fear of church. My brother shared his testimony earlier. 
fear that somebody might hurt me. Listen, I'm not a perfect man. This is not a perfect church. You may get offended, hurt by somebody here. That's that's just going to happen. But guess what? If you give Jesus your heart, he will work through those things. And we're not that church. And we're not the one you came from. And we're not the one you're going to. (laughs) God has done something here. I don't know what that looks like. Everybody's different. But here's what I do know. We just want to see Jesus lifted high. Amen. Amen.